0: This is the Ezra Podcast. And today we're talking about the Charles Oliveira-Dustin fight. We're talking about Manny Nunez getting upset. We're talking about Lomachenko. We'll talk about Brandon Lee. We'll talk about Donair. We're going to talk about everything. Everything that happened. Connor Ben. Let's start off with UFC 269, Charles, Charles Oliveira versus Dustin Poirier. In a fight that a lot of people just assumed that Dustin Poirier was just there to pick up the belts. Um, I think that's happened just because... He's coming up two big fights against Conor McGregor. And, you know, fame has us judge people, uh, strangely. It maybe has us, you know, misjudge people at times. And I believe that uh, due to Dustin Poirier beating Conor McGregor, we, you know, begin to overrate him on what he actually was. And because he looked better than Conor McGregor at points, it makes you think like, well, he's a better, well-rounded fighter. And that's the Conor McGregor that we've seen taking over the whole UFC. So he he must be at that, you know, he must be at that moment, right? He must be that guy now. And I just truly believe that that was, uh, that was you know, miscalculated. It was the wrong thought process and it was more fame than it was showing you actual, you know, skill and ability, even though the desporia has plenty of skill and ability, I'm just saying that it just got overrated a little bit, just because he got more famous that's really what happened and Charles Oliveira has, you know, a guy that it doesn't happen a lot in boxing, doesn't rarely ever will it happen in boxing he got to figure out his game he got to work through the rough moments and 100% work through all the work through all the the parts where the, the highs and lows of it all I completely get comfortable with what he is in there. And he, and I knew the composure... I mean, I, I basically predicted exactly how this fight was going to go. And Poirier, I knew uh, Olivera was going to have a lot of success standing up, especially early. And then I knew Dustin Poirier was going to uh, force exchanges, and those exchanges he was going to be more effective and land more often. And then I knew that that would chain reaction, make Charles Oliveira. Get a takedown and when he found the takedown that he was going to find that it was easy once he got the takedown that once the take once that he had got Desaporia to the ground and once he started controlling that it that nothing Desaporia could do to him and the thing with Desaporia and people say he's so well-rounded he is well-rounded it, but it doesn't mean that he's really great at anything and people were telling me that when I made the top boxers of the UFC that I didn't have to support on the top five and they were like, Oh, you snubbed him. How do you not have him on there? He should be number one. He should definitely be in the top five. There was a reason there's specific reasons, and I said in the last podcast that you know, they're really glaring why it doesn't happen there. Footwork's terrible. He has zero defense to speak of. He, he's punches um he kind of stumbles in with his punches. He can miss big at times. There's a lot of reasons why don't have him in there. Now, there's things that he does really good. And another thing that he does, you know, the one thing that he does specifically that's really good is he just flows with his punches. He likes to flow with them. He lets them go. He doesn't second-guess it. And he... And there's no, there's no, like... The thing with Charles Valvera is there's, like, a thought process. He punches... He strikes like he does jiu-jitsu. Um, and when you do jiu-jitsu... You do, you get a position, right? You got to get that position, get that perfect position, and then you can get the submission. It has to be perfect, though. I'm going to get this part. My hips are right here. On my, my knee is on the side of your hips. I could grab an arm, and everything is flowing into a perfect position. That's way Charles Oliver is going to attack his stand-up because he comes from a jiu-jitsu background. It comes from that mindset of everything and being in perfect position before I go for the attack. So when he's striking, it could be very good, very technical, but it might take a little longer in the thought process before she fires than Dezen is and it definitely was you saw that in that fight especially when Charles Oliveira would get in the clinch and then Dezen would just let go shots and Charles Oliveira was just taking them trying to calculate what was going on trying to calculate how to get his strikes in at that point and when you have a guy like Dezen who's just going to let go and the longer the fight goes and the exchanges he's going to land more because he doesn't have to be perfect when Charles Oliveira needs to be perfect with his strikes this is all mindset. This is 'cause doesn't Puri started off throwing punches and then work started working ground game and had that affect the way he attacks the ground game. When Charles Alvarez started grappling and then went to and then had to catch up with with his hands and kicking and his stand up. And it was he's gonna attack the way he's successful and um, jiu-jitsu is the way he's gonna attack the stand up, right, and, and all the boxing, kickboxing Muay Thai there was a documentary I think about Kenny G and I heard him on, if you know Kenny G is he does the, if you've been to Albertson before or Stater Brothers, you've heard Kenny G before he does like those jazz albums. Um, if you've been to a supermarket is what I mean to say, you've heard of Kenny G before, but the one thing he said was he attacks everything like he attacks jazz. Right. And he knows the way he learns the instrument was just like repeatedly doing it every day and going through the motions all every day. And he said that the way he learned how to do jazz is the way he learned at a golf. And he was a really good golfer. And that's what I'm saying is that what you find success in and how you got success there is what you're going to apply to basically everything you do from that point on if you want true success in it. If you want to get to the level that you're at what you're best at. That's what Charles Oliveira did. He's very good at the stand-up. I told you he would have success in there. And I think this technique looked better than Poirier, but Poirier was just looser with it. And what he did, a chain reaction to get Charles Oliveira to take him down and doesn't Poirier's ground game I think has major holes in it. I think that he pushes himself, he tries to explode out of submission, tries to strength his way out of some positions, and once Charles Olivera got there, it was game over. Uh, Desapore kind of went for like a body lock, was just weary of letting Charles Oliveira get advanced position, right? Um, and someone had, one of the commentary team, maybe it was Anik, I believe, was talking about how when he fought Khabib, that they wish they had maybe gave up a round, just holding Khabib in that position so they could start standing the next round. So I think that's what they did in this fight. But Charles Alvarez is so damn good that he just started pounding him with elbows and just really making him pay for that. Then they go to the next round, uh, go to the third round. And he gets to the back and takes him down, and right there is the beginning game over. And the second I told was going to happen is that Charles Alvarez is so advanced on the ground game that when he when they when he got there, it was it was never um it was never going to be close. It was never going to be close in the fight. And I think Charles Oliveira, you know, won the title because he got so good at the stand-up. And he won the title in the stand-up, right, with a left hook. This fight, it's a really great first-round back-and-forth stand-up fight. But he needs to realize what he did in this fight, what he did against um, Kukui... It's, it's the ground. It's where he's most dominant at. And it's not just off his back. It's putting you on your back. It's the positioning, how heavy he is, how much control he has over you. Uh, the one mistake you make and he gets your back, it's game over. If he you gets your arm, it's game over. If you get your anything around your neck, it's game over. That's where I think he could prolong this title run. Because I was telling you that this the, the, this era of the lightweights is coming to an end. Now it looks like he's fighting Justin Gaethje uh, next. And they're squeezing out all the last guys they have. He's going to beat Now he's going to go to Michael Chandler, Poirier, and I will pick him over Dustin Gaethje, right? He's going to beat those three guys, those three big names of this era. And then he's going to get Islam. And I told you that he's the most interesting matchup for Islam, right? If Islam is so good grappling, it's going to get you down. And it was the kind of guy that you kind of curious if Kabuka fight, right? A guy that's so good on his back. I think that Charles Oliveira is going to... I think he'll be Gaethje. Now, I haven't studied the 500%, but I I have just recently studied Gaethje. I have recently studied Charles Oliveira. I think Charles Oliveira is a better fighter. And you can think it's crazy, but in every aspect of the game. Now, Justin Gaethje is going to be able to explode with shots just like Justin Poirier, but he's when he's going out of control, it's a lot more wild than Justin Poirier. I think it's a lot less effective. Um... And I I've seen him get controlled on the ground like by Khabib. I think Charles Oliveira could do very, very much the similar thing. It's the similar process. Now the Islam fight that's the fight that's the most interesting one. We may never get it. You know what I mean because Charles Oliveira like I said he's hittable. He's been he has some damage done to him. So when he does get hit he is able to get hurt. So there's a good chance that there's a cha- not a good chance there's a chance that Gaethje could land a big shot and just end his night. But if we could get to the Islam fight which is the most interesting fight that ground battle is something that I don't think maybe might be the highest level ground battle we've ever seen in MMA and I think people are going to say it's hyperbolic but I I would like someone to challenge me on this and I'm not talking about maybe there's two high level jiu-jitsu guys that want to but I'm talking about guys that are legit world champions in MMA because when you're to get to a world title right to be able to like a UFC championship not a world title but a UFC championship and you're and it's a lot on the ground game well that means that your ground game is built for mma so it's not just like a just a guy who's like won all these world titles and then he can you know he goes to his back in mma and he lo- wins some lose some type of thing right or he gets smoked by stand-up guy no no no. i'm talking about these guys are proven to be the best 155 which is a stacked division a lot of depth right always has a lot of depth it's a weight that's pretty common for, you know, just human beings in general, right? A lot of humans, they cut weight and had a fight to be about 155 pounds. And these guys are proven they're the two best. They're going to fight you in the MMA fight, and their main thing is the ground. I think this is the highest level ground fight that you'll ever, uh, grappling in MMA that you'll, we're ever going to see. If these two guys can match up. Now, it looks like we're going to have... Gaethje versus Oliveira. I'll pick Oliveira in that fight, but like I said, just because of Gaethje's power and because Oliveira has some wear and tear on him, he's not really taking the shots that well anymore. So Oliveira did exactly what I thought he was going to do in this fight, though, and I knew it went to the ground, it to the ground that it was going to be eye-opening how much more dominant he was than uh, anything else he could do in that fight. Amanda Nunez lost, and I, I said going in, I didn't pick, of course I didn't pick Juliana Pena out of beat her. But I did say going in, right, that we were at the point that the only thing was going to beat Amanda Nunez was Amanda Nunez. And I think this is going to be how they attack a lot of things, right? Like, okay, they didn't give you the super fight. They didn't give you the Valentina fight again, which we already seen multiple times. But at this point, it just seemed different. I think because we saw Amanda Nunez slowing down, I think that we, we can acknowledge that Amanda Nunez was slowing down. Okay, that's fine to acknowledge. And I don't like to take away from fighters. I don't think that was the Manny Nunez that we've had been seeing on this whole giant run. I don't think so, but that's all right. It's still a huge win for Juliana Pena. It doesn't, um, you know, mean it's a fluke run. No, she won the fight, but I still think it was the full Manny Nunez. And I think that maybe, even if they do a rematch, I think a Manny Nunez could possibly, you know, come back in better shape, more focused. Motive, this might my motivator. And I think if they did a rematch, I would pick a Manny Nunez to win it. You know, we didn't get the super fight that we want to see, and I think the UFC is going to fall back on this fight to say, well, hey, you got to pay attention to every matchup. Because, yes, it's true, though. If you keep putting, like, Roy Jones dominated boxing. He dominated boxing. He dominated the Cruiserweight division. And it wasn't close. Like, I, there would be the point where there was, like, no point in watching Roy Jones' fight because he knew he was going to win the fight. And then eventually you give him enough guys, enough guys seeing his style and he slows down as it goes on. Eventually someone's going to catch him. And I guess that the UFC could say, like, and especially in the women, one of the women's division where you could, you know, lack of depth, lack of talent, say you get Amanda Nunez or Valentina and you could just keep sending them out there and saying, well, this is the next one up next person up next person up. And you just could always point back to this fight and say, well, look, you thought she was going to beat Juliana Pena and what happened there? I I guess they could do that, right? I guess that's the selling point now. You see, well, you you told me that that these were dumb matchups, and then we put Julian Pena in, and she stops Amanda Nunez, submits her, hurts her, rocks her, though. Gets to the point where she rocks her. She actually wins the battle of the hands, which is completely unexpected. But it was because, you know, all that success, you're not, The same motivated they usually are. She's getting older. She's definitely slowing down. Her, you know, not as precise anymore. It's hard to stay that sharp. That's why, like, you know, you have to really respect Floyd and people say, you know, we didn't fight the people you want to fight, whatever, whatever, right? He was the richest man to ever fight. And he always came 100% in shape, 100% focused, 100% sharp. Like, he just, it just never was like clockwork for him. You have to give that credit, because look at Connor when the money started coming. It diminished a lot. And Amanda Nunez, who no doubt about had, she's the greatest female fighter, resume-wise, um, ever. And the run's amazing. And if she stops, you know, doesn't come back and try to avenge his lot, it's not, not going to affect her legacy at all. You know, I just always go back to Floyd, and it's just like, he just never had this moment. You know what I mean? He never had this moment. It just looked like... It didn't look like the Man in News. It looked like she had slowed down. It also looked like she wasn't in great shape. Like, in the second round, it looked like she was gassed. And really, just Julia, my opinion, just looked like she wanted it more. And when it got to a point where it's just... She really picked up the pace and was just like, I'm going to dig deep with these hands, and I'm going to look to you know, just throw straight punches as fast as I can at her chin, they were all landing and Julen Pena uh, picks up the massive upset, and what a great moment, right, it was just unexpected, especially when she wraps her her chin it's real quick, Manu just gives in on that but, you know, Manu experience experienced like she just knew, or the way it was on her chin, it just hurt really bad, she just said, okay, that's it but she barely got it in, and she just said, no more no no mas I expect a rematch in that, I think it'll be a huge, big fight. I think it should be a main event of pay-per-view. And I'll pick Amanda Nunez in it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to be op- uh, open and honest. I'm going to pick Amanda Nunez in that rematch because I think that this might be something to motivate her. But the end is near for Amanda Nunez. And I think that she should see that as well. We go to the boxing. We had Lomachenko versus Richard Comey. And if I did another fight that played out how I thought it was going to play out. Now, I thought Loma Chico would get a stoppage late, um, he almost got it like in the 7th round, and uh, I was surprised by that, because I didn't think, you know, it's really hard to tell Loma's power, right, usually he walks you into shots, or he breaks you down, that's where his power is going to come from, but the last two fights, I mean, he shows some pretty good power, and you know, people now are going back on the Nakatani fight, whether that was a good win or not, and you know, it's not going to age well. I, I I promise you that. It's not like Nakatani's like going to go on some amazing run. But it was a tough fight. It was, uh, it was a fight that a lot of people, I think, were picking Nakatani. And probably won't go back and say that. But they were. Or they were picking it to be a tough fight. And it wasn't. He smoked him. And in this fight, they went the opposite direction and tried to diminish Comey. When really, Comey's better than Isak Cruz. Um, He just beat uh the guy that truly beat Roly Romero. Right? But got robbed. Comey just beat him, just smoked him. But now he's old and washed. Um, that's what they're gonna. That's what people are gonna do. They're gonna diminish uh, what Loma does. Uh, Loma is a. He's a controversial figure in boxing. He really is. He um. He he garners strong opinions, and th- there are people that overrate him, right? Because his resume is never gonna be, to where he could be like, one of the you know, all time greats. He's not, he's not gonna be able to pass Floyd. He's not gonna be able to pass. You know Ali, Sugar Ray Robinson, Sugar Ray Leonard. He's not going to be able to do that now. Skill wise, I think he's very skilled. I think he's uh, an all-time great skill wise. I do. I'm not. I mean, people get pissed when people say that, but he is. He's a damn good fighter. I don't. I don't know. You know. I don't know what you need to see or what you want to see. I guess you, for people to give him credit, I probably probably have to roll through Tank, uh, Teal in a rematch, uh, and Devin Haney, but and uh, Shakur. Right? Because I don't think they'll get much credit if you beat, like, Ryan Garcia. I don't think anyone... That's the thing with Ryan Garcia. It's like, you're not going to get much credit from him. Um, if you could beat him. I'm not even sure that's, you know, that he's, like, that easy of, you know, a cakewalk, but you're not going to get that much credit for him. So, you have to go through all those guys. And, you know, what they will say then is that those guys weren't that good. Or there was some reason why he beat them. It, it's, it's, he's very... Like I said, he he gets a strong opinion. Either way, both sides. I'm gonna play down the middle. I just think he's really, really skilled. He does a lot of amazing things in there, and I think that these guys, Devin Haney, Tank, had the performances that he's having. Be, if it was under their name, it'd be they people. that be like a lot of excitement on social media. But then they'd probably be hating on the other side. So who knows? You know what I mean? That's just what it is. It's it's two extremes. That's what basically social media is. It's an extreme one way, and extreme to the other. I'm just playing down the middle. He looks very good, and even if he's slowing down a little bit, he's still. Because to me, right now, if you're just looking at consistency and performance, resume and what he could do in the, what he's doing in the ring, I think Loma's still number one at 135. I think Tank's close. I think Tank's power could just tip it over, right? Where you know Loma just stays in front of him too long, and Tank is fast and very balanced as well. Like the balance that those two fought would be amazing because they always be in position to hit. Now I'm just curious if Loma could push Tank back. What happens there? Right? What does it change the dimensions of the fight? If he could push him back. But I thought Loma looked excellent. He gets the 12 round decision, a complete one sided fight against uh, Comey, who, you know, like I said, they're going to diminish, whatever, but is a a decent 135 fighter. Better than you saw Cruz, in my opinion. And now we get to the point where, you know, who's had the best year of the 135s? You know, Devin Haney has Leonaris and Jojo Diaz, which Leonards, you know, it was the right fight at the time. Um, you know, the old Leonards wasn't, you know, the Leonards that I think Lomachenko beat. But Jojo Diaz, I, I truly believe, is, uh, you know, top six, seven guy at 135. I think he's very skilled. I thought that was, you know, very good fight. Like I said, I scored a draw, but David Hane got the official decision. I think that's an excellent win. Um, Besides Camboso's uh, beating TFIM, I think that's like the number two win at 135, in my opinion, this year. And then you have Cambosos, like I said, who beat Tiafimo and uh, took a while to get to that that shot, right? That fight took all year to really to get done. Cambosos, who you know everyone wants to fight, I think there's for a reason. I think people think that he got a fluke win over Tiafimo. I'm not sure he did. I'm not sure he didn't. I really don't know. I, that's why I stand uh, consistent with that opinion. So I don't know what what. Kembooso says, "I don't know if he's great. I don't know if he's a fluke. I don't. I don't know. I've seen evidence of him being an average fighter. I've seen the TfM fight where he looks like an amazing fighter. I'm not sure where you're getting. You know, people get better. I just need to see more evidence of it. I also think there might be a thing where him fighting backward, when he fights going backwards, is a lot better than when he fights going forward. That could be the case as well." We're going to see in his next fight, which should be a, a mega fight, because he has basically everyone uh, as an option. Now, Ryan Garcia is hated on at 135. It seems like he's the easy work, because we can all see the flaw, right? But that means he could see the flaw. That means his trainers could see the flaw that he has, where he pulls straight back, his head straight up, and drops the hand. And puts his hand down to reach for shots, and it lets, allows a, um, a big left hand to, to catch him. And what is Tank? He's a southpaw. So we can all see it. So we just automatically think, you know, well, not me, but people automatically think like he's the weak link of the thing. He's also the fastest man at the division and hits the hardest. He's also only struggled really in one fight. And that was against Luke Campbell, who to me is, you know, when he's at his best, is top quality at 135. Even though he's never won a major fight, never won the big fight, uh, never was able to pull off a world title. I still, If you look back at that fight, he gets dropped, yes, but he dominates the remaining portions of the fight. The only difference between Haney versus Leonard is that Haney didn't go down, but he was rocked just as much as Ryan Garcia was. But Ryan Garcia recovered and came back and got the stoppage, dominant win. I think that people underestimate Ryan Garcia and just know that the performances he's having, if these guys had these performances you the hype would be unbelievable if Esau cruz was knocking out people the way ryan garcia is knocking out people the hype would be unbelievable the people will call him the boogeyman for some reason ryan garcia you know he doesn't look like you know doesn't look particularly tough i guess doesn't i don't, I don't know what it is but he's just for some reason is underrated Tiafimo, he's probably done him 135 but these guys are all going to be going to 140 soon anyways. I, I, I'm not selling my stock in Tf emo. I think he needs to, there's things that need to be changed, but that guy's a really talented fighter. When he's in his A game and maybe more comfortable weight, I, I just think he's very good, and I, I, I trust my eyes. I, I don't think my eyes are lying to me. And there's consistency in what he was doing. Now, sometimes the lifestyle outside of it, it screws up your game. Maybe that's the really case. Now, when it comes to Tank, I tell you, I'm telling you, he has the, all the ability to be the number one guy. I'm just curious if, you know, he hasn't really fought anyone. I know people said that Loma's never finding one like Tank. Well, Tank's never finding one like Loma. Th- that's just, there's no getting around that. Tank has never finding one like Loma. And not even close. Devin Haney, there's, looks like inconsistencies there. But like I said, he beat Jojo Diaz. Officially, he beat Jojo Diaz. In the Leonards fight, he dominates besides the part, where, you know, he gets hurt in the round. I think at a distance, he's probably the best guy at a distance enough. If he could keep distance, he's the best guy. I find that long range. It's just the, those little moments where it looks like he's very vulnerable. It's, it makes it really hard to say like, Hey, you know, he's the best guy or he's a contender for the big guy. To me, it's between Loma and tank and the rest of these guys. We're still figuring him out. Tank's 27 years old. You know he's had, he has some tests, right? He has a you know a one out to fight Barrios, who I think is Barrios is a, is, is a good fighter. I, Santa Cruz, even though Santa Cruz is moving up, was still tough test. Hasn't really fought anyone at one thirty five. Uh, beat Pedraza was, was 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 a really good win, probably probably uh, his second best win behind uh, Leo Santa Cruz. But he has not fought anyone like. Lomachenko and I, I want to see him fight someone at that skill level and if he blows out Lomachenko you know that, that's what we want to see that's what that's when I'll uh, award him and crown him the king of 135 and if Loma beats him right and smokes him then I'll crown him the king 135 that's to me that's the, that's the level I don't care about the belts that's right there that's the mark Brandon Lee fought um Brandon Lee is uh He's a guy that's, you know, sneaking, sneaking up uh, into the spotlight. A lot of power. Uh, looks to have some skill. Um, it's kind of hard to make out. Like, you know, he has one of those styles that yeah, you, know, you can't really tell how good he is. And the level of competition doesn't really allow you to see how good he is. But they're bringing him up the right way. Uh, the, I'm sure the challenges are going to start getting tougher from here on out. But he has pop. And he looks to be def- defensively aware. I just don't know how tight the skills are, we'll see that, I did, it looked like he, he, he could do some things that were, you know, look like they could be special, and they did some things where I thought, I don't know, like, that is he's trying to do something, he has the right, right idea of doing something, or, you know, do stuff that someone great could do, but, didn't look quite there yet, he still looks like he's, they're building him into something, Donaire got another win, 118 still spread out, uh, Casemiro just lost, uh, or might lose a belt on the scale. In a way, it's fighting. I think a day from now. I don't know. If there's a fights that could be made here. at One eighteen. It seems like there's a lot more politics involved at these weight classes more than ever. And we might not see some good fights. And it might, uh, you know, be delaying Anyways' career, like a career point where you're like, "Well, who did he fight? How come he couldn't get any big fights?" This looks like it might be it. You know, what I mean, at this weight, it looks like it's going to be might be a little stagnant. Conor Ben versus Chris Algieri happened, and Conor Ben lands a devastating knockout, and that was one thing that not, not a lot of people were picking in that fight. I think the, it was the consensus was that Conor Ben was going to win this fight via unanimous decision, and that Chris Algieri was just going to be crafty enough to stay alive in this fight. The one thing I did say was Chris Algieri doesn't have legs anymore; he can't move around the ring anymore. So I thought that yeah, he would be crafty enough, but he was going to you know have to survive with. Conor Ben just exploding on his arms. But Conor Ben looked a lot more sharper, you know, has improved every fight. And I I told you, I liked what I've seen from him fights ago. I was like, this guy's pretty good. And he's knocking out guys that were not, you know, made cases to beating top guys, but were competitive or give, you know, some rounds to them. He was, he knocked them out cold. Now, like I said, his offense to me still a little predictable, but if he, maybe doesn't need to add too much to it, but just add different variations of the speed. Cause that's definitely what it looked like. He looked like he added more distances as, as far as like, he was more comfortable punching mid range to like adjusting quick to what range it was in the fight. He was also, uh, I felt like the speeds were like, he did, wasn't everything so explosive. Like he, he, he let some fillers out there. I, I thought that he was growing into his game and I think they were bringing him, i up correctly. And he the, 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 was like, okay, you gotta kind of have to start you can't understand him just because of you know what his whose name is or what promoter he has or what you thought he was going to be. It's like, hey, he surpassed that. Now I always said he had a low floor and maybe a low ceiling, but he's getting to the point where he's meeting that ceiling now. And he might even be even better than what I'm thinking. He's going to show us. We'll find out in the ring. But it's it's looking pretty good. You guys, this might be another guy to get excited about. This has been the rah podcast